0: Section 10 of The Maker of Moons and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stroet, Turks and Caicos Islands. The Maker of Moons and Other Stories by Robert W. Chambers. Section 10. The Silent Land. Chapter 2 i fished the pool twice once up and once down and heaven knows i fished it conscientiously but no trout rose to the flies although i changed the cast half a dozen times and even violated my feelings by tying a silver doctor it was true i glanced up and down the river to see whether ferris was in sight before i did so the wily old devil won't come up said i to myself meaning the trout i'll give him a rest for a while and I sat down on the rock where the pointed shoe was drying in the sun, laying my rod beside me. What's the use of speculating about this shoe? I thought, and straight away began to speculate. The strange grey bird, with the slender wings and dark eyes, slipped through the undergrowth along the opposite side of the pool, but had uttered no call, and I caught only fleeting glimpses of it at intervals. Once, for a moment, it flitted quite near, and a sudden sense of having seen it before came over me, but after a little thinking i found myself associating it with a rare bird i had once noticed in northern france and of course it was impossible that this could be a french bird it was an association of ideas said i to myself looking at the mark in the slim shoe bresnard paris and i began speculating upon the owner of the shoe young probably slender probably pretty the deuce take the shoe "'I muttered, picking up my rod. "'Presently I laid it down again softly. "'Now, perhaps,' said I to myself, "'this little shoe has tapped the gravel of the Luxembourg, "'patted the asphalt of the Boulevard des Italians, "'brushed the lawns of the Boers. "'Ah, me! Ah, me! "'The devil take the shoe!' "'The sun beat down upon the rock. "'The little shoe in my hand was nearly dry. "'No,' said I to myself, "'I'll not show it to Ferris.' And i'll not shove it into my pocket no for a ferris finds it will rag me to death i'll throw it away i stood up i'll just throw it away i repeated aloud to encourage myself for i didn't want to throw it away one two three said i with an attempt at carelessness which changed to astonishment as i raised my eyes to the bank above whither i had intended to hurl the shoe for an instant i stood rigid "'my right hand clutching the shoe arrested in mid-air. "'Then I placed the shoe very carefully upon the rock beside me "'and took off my shooting cap. "'I beg your pardon,' said I. "'I did not see you.' "'I stood silent, politely holding my shooting cap against my stomach, "'but I was confused, for she had answered me in French, "'pure Parisian French, and my ideas were considerably unbalanced. "'I'm afraid I stared a little. "'I tried not to. "'She was slender and very young.' her dark eyes half-shadowed under black lashes made me think of the strange dark-eyed bird that had followed me she sat on the crooked trunk of a tree overhanging the bank her feet negligently crossed her hands in the pockets of a leather shooting-jacket i'm afraid to say how short her skirts were but of course this is the age of bicycles and shooting kilts madame i said trying to keep my eyes from one small stockinged foot i have found a shoe my shoe monsieur she said serenely permit me madame said i mademoiselle said she permit me a thousand pardons mademoiselle to return to you your shoe it was very stupid of me to lose it said she it is nearly dry said i will mademoiselle pardon the uncommitted stupidity of which i was nearly guilty you were going to throw it away said she i almost perpetrated that unpardonable crime give it to me she said with a gracious gesture, now, when she smiled, I smiled too, and picking up the shoe, waded across the pool to the bank under her. May I come up, I asked, Pardine, monsieur, how else am I to get my shoe? I clambered up, hanging to the limbs and branches. It was a miracle I did not break my neck. Why did you not take the path? she asked. Do you not know you might fall, and all for a shoe, but such a shoe. True, the buckle is silver. Which I claim the privilege of buckling, said I, dragging myself up beside her. She deliberately held out her slim stockinged foot, and I slipped the shoe on it. The silver buckle was not easily buckled. There were difficulties, for the tongue had become bent and needed straightening. You might take the shoe off again to arrange the buckle, she said. I can straighten it without that, said I. When at last the buckle was plasped, we had been talking so long that I had told her my name, my residence, my profession, and more or less about Ferris. I don't know why I told her all this. She seemed to be interested. Then I asked her if she lived at the Brambles. The Brambles, she repeated, looking at her shoes. The deserted farm by the White Moss Spring. Yes. Not alone. I have a housekeeper. Aged? Very. And fierce. But I shall do as I please. Did you buy the house? no it was empty and i walked in next day they sent my twelve trunks from lynn centre the furniture was good and you have been there for two months yes i have a horse and dog-cart too rose drives to lynn centre twice a week for the marketing i think i shall keep a cow i generally do what i please i choose to amuse myself with you just now this said i is a very strange history did you know that mr ferris and myself existed it is not a strange history no i once saw your house as i passed through the forest belt but there was nobody there on the lawn except an ordinary person with little side whiskers Howlett, i exclaimed comment she asked a servant an englishman then i told her all about ferris and myself how we came every spring to the clover cottage with Howlett, a cook and three dogs as retinue how he fished in summer and shot in the autumn how twice a year men came all the way from lynn centre to house our hay and repair damages how the gamekeepers lurked at the mouth of the valley miles to the south to prevent poachers from entering but we concluded it was not necessary for keepers to patrol the woods inside the valley now i said the poachers are in our very midst here established and such dangerous poachers too what shall we do with them mademoiselle you mean me she said with wide open eyes no said i I do not mean you you are very welcome in our valley but i am sure you do mean me said she smiling then we talked of other things of paris and france of trout and flies and ferris of normandy and the beauty of the world but it was nearly five o'clock before we spoke of love i have never loved she said looking at me calmly oh how unnecessary i thought for i had believed her clever but she continued gravely I think it is time that i did i think so too said i i should like to fall in love said she i have nothing else to do i also am very idle i said then said she the opportunity only is lacking i think i muttered something about poachers i was not perfectly cool now said she i know you mean me ah said i i mean a keener poacher than you and i a free rover more to be dreaded than an army of riflemen then you don't mean me said she i shook my head do you know said she i should very much like to be the heroine of a romance i will aid you to be one i said hastily we had known each other nearly three hours let us said she pretend that this is the forest of versailles in the time of louis quince let us indeed i cried enthusiastically and you are a count, and you a Marquise, named Diane, it is my real name, Diane, and you, my name is Louis, it will do, you may kiss my hand, I wondered just where she was going to draw the line, then, the devil prompting, I entered recklessly into the most extraordinary adventure, and what an adventure, words, thoughts, even failed me as I looked at her, the woodland maid with the wonderful eyes, there was no mistaking the challenge in her eyes, the half-innocent smile, the utter disregard for every human conventionality. How, thought I, how can such a woman wear a childlike face? I had known coquettes, many, but the depth of this strange girl's recklessness I feared to sound. I dreaded almost to understand. She is too deep, said I to myself, too deep for me. And I looked to her questioningly in the eyes. I don't know why or how. I never shall know, probably, but a sudden conviction seized me that she was as innocent as she looked. Imagine a man coming to such a conclusion. I felt inclined to laugh, and yet I was as firmly convinced as though I had known her all my life. You may kiss my hand, she said, and held it out to me. I did. I wished I hadn't a moment later, for I tumbled head over heels in love with her and fairly gasped at the idea. "'Lovers in the court of Louis Quince resembled us, I think,' she said, after a long silence. "'We will try to make the resemblance perfect,' said I, taking both her hands in mine. She bent her head a little. There was just a shadow of resistance. Then I kissed her on the lips. There are moments in a man's life when he does not know whether he is a foot or a horseback. I remember that I sat down on the bank and carefully uprooted several ferns. When I had regained control of my voice... The little maid was very silent. I asked her to tell me of herself, if it might please her to do so. I was born, said the little maid, resting her small head on one hand, in Rouen. Do you know Rouen? Yes. Papa was an officer, and he killed his general when I was seven years old. It was something about Lamar. I never saw her again. Then we went to Canada very quickly. Papa died there. I had been in a convent school. I ran away and went to New York. I'm 19 and very reckless. Yes, Diane. I have a great deal of money in banknotes. It was Papa's. I've never counted it. It is in a big trunk. I understand English, but do not care to speak it. I do not care what becomes of me. I wish it were over, this life. You are the first man who has ever kissed me. Do you believe me? Yes, Diane. I wonder you do. Let us go down to the river where the sunlight falls. The descent is easy. Diane, you must not go with you. Will you give me your hand? Come, did you see that shy grey bird? said the little maid, hesitating on the slope, her hand in mine. I could not see it, for we had already begun the descent. End of section ten. Read by Adrian Strohs, Turks and Caicos Islands.